Hello and welcome to Ohio Folklore. I'm your host, Melissa Davies. I'm so glad you could join me. For today's episode, I've had the joy of discovering an Ohio site unlike any other. It's one of only 19 U.S. locations on the World Heritage Committee's tentative list for a UNESCO designation. Other sites on the list include Mount Vernon, Ellis Island, and the Brooklyn Bridge. What Ohio location could possibly carry the same level of historical and cultural import as these iconic spots across the country? What small corner of Ohio embodies a cultural significance that makes world organizations take notice? Who knew that we Ohioans enjoy a unique connection to prehistoric peoples that once roamed our southern hills? They left their mark for all to see, for us to see. This earthen monument, a dramatic work of art rising from the ground, has lasted for more than a millennium, but its meaning is one of Ohio's great mysteries. I'm talking about the legend of the Serpent Mound. It's situated outside the village of Peebles in Adams County. First-time visitors are usually struck with awe and wonder. Using nothing but the very earth beneath their feet, an ancient people created a giant, slithering serpent more than 1,300 feet in length. The tail end is coiled in concentric circles, perhaps a base from which the serpent might pounce. Its graceful midsection undulates toward an oval-shaped object. Its jaws are wide, about to swallow what looks like an egg. This enigmatic and some believe mystic location serves as the world's largest surviving prehistoric effigy mound. Today, the site is lovingly preserved and maintained, the grass is cut to keep the mastery of the artwork in full view. Facilities are placed nearby to accommodate guests from all over the world, including a museum, paved walkways, and picnic tables. It's all too easy to spend a day in the shadow of humans who existed long before Ohio was Ohio. But let's imagine how it looked to those in the 19th century. Consider how it must have felt after roaming hill after hill of wooded forests, and then stumbling on an earthen piece of art rising to meet your feet. The Serpent Mound, the name dubbed by white settlers, was first publicized by a pair of surveyors from Chillicothe in 1846. Two men, Ephraim Squire and Edwin Davis, would go on to write about it in their book, The Ancient Monuments of the Mississippi Valley. It would be published and distributed by the renowned Smithsonian Institution, and, lucky for us, one copy of the book would land in the hands of Frederick Ward Putnam, an archaeologist from Harvard. He would come to devote his life to the preservation of Ohio's mounds, specifically the Serpent Mound. To our great fortune, Putnam left behind a personal record of his own discoveries. He chronicled his personal connection to this unparalleled piece of heritage. Come, let's hear the story through his experiences. It was September 1883, and Putnam and his four colleagues began an epic investigation of Ohio's southern mounds. Serpent Mound, the largest and most majestic of them all, was the first stop. The group forded Brush Creek from the west and soon arrived at the rugged outcropping of rocks high above their heads. They pulled their wagon to the bank 
and started the slow process of scaling a rocky cliff. They had to hack away at the thick brush and undergrowth as they scrambled onward, anticipation building for what would greet them once they reached the top. To hear it in his own words, Putnam described it thus. The most singular sensation of awe and admiration overwhelmed me at the sudden realization of my long-cherished desire, for here, before me, was the mysterious work of an unknown people, whose seemingly most sacred place we had invaded. As the last rays of the sun, glancing from the distant hilltops, cast their long shadows over the valley, I mused on the probabilities of the past, and there seemed to come to me a picture of a distant time, of a people with strange customs, and with it came the demand for an interpretation of this mystery. The unknown must become known. Putnam's all-consuming curiosity would persist the rest of his life. Indeed, he was driven to not only search for answers, but also preserve what remained. On the same evening of his first visit, he made arrangements with the private landowner, Mr. Lovett, to clear the site of underbrush and trees so that the work might be seen in all its glory. In Putnam's words, By noon of the following day, the clearing was roughly made, and the view thus obtained of the serpent and the egg led to a still stronger desire to know more, and a resolve to do all in my power to preserve this singular structure, which seems so strangely transplanted from the mythology of the East. On returning to Harvard, Putnam would make the preservation of Serpent Mound one of his life's goals. He began efforts to raise funds in earnest. And two years later, in 1885, he would return to find it on the brink of destruction. The surrounding fields had been cleared for farming and plowing processes had begun to degrade the structure. With renewed vigor and with the help of fellow archaeologist Alice C. Fletcher, the two raised the funds needed to purchase the land outright to the tune of $6,000. The purchase would ultimately include several acres of land along the new road leading from Hillsboro to Peebles, the nearest railroad stations, and the whole of Serpent Mound Park, of which Brush Creek forms the western boundary. For the following four years, Putnam would pitch a tent to camp at the site, spring through autumn. He would excavate sections of the site, revealing insights never before considered. This included investigations of the Serpent Mound and nearby conical burial mounds, which were found to hold the remains of ancient peoples. In one such mound, he discovered grave goods that pointed to the presence of the Adena, a prehistoric people who existed from 800 to 100 BCE. When the excavation was complete, Putnam worked to restore the mounds to their original state. Putnam would go on to find and catalog various artifacts, including stone implements, flint knives, and tools made of deer bones and antlers. His investigations of the conical burial mounds would find charcoal and ash, suggesting burials of fire and the rite of human sacrifice as a religious offering. His conclusion about the site, after years of impassioned fundraising and digging through the earth to find answers, was thus. Exploration has shown us that this serpent was made many centuries ago, 
and it is evident that a structure of such magnitude so carefully planned and executed was intended for some great purpose, deeply affecting the people who made it. What other than a religious motive could have been sufficient? Assuming this to be the case, we naturally give it the meaning of a religious shrine to which the people came at specified times to worship their gods. Here, near this sacred shrine, ceremonies of great import have taken place. Individuals of importance have been buried in connection with ceremonies of fire, and in two instances at least, accompanied by the burning of human bodies, possibly in human sacrifice, that constant accessory of many ancient faiths. In later times, the shrine was still a place of resort, possibly as one held sacred in myths and legends. And finally, a few of the scattered bands of the last century made their habitation on the spot, probably without any legendary knowledge or thought of the earlier worshippers at the shrine, overgrown and hidden by a forest. Now, another race has come, and the old shrine, cleared of rubbish, is again held sacred, not for the ancient and awful rites, but for the study of future generations, when a wider knowledge of the past shall lead to a better knowledge of that of our own. It was one man's singular obsession, that of Frederick Putnam, that ultimately allowed for the preservation of this truly unique Ohio site. His efforts offered the first glimpse into the secrets of the Serpent Mound. But his discoveries wouldn't be the last. Nearly a hundred years later, in 1996, an archaeological team under the supervision of the Ohio Historical Society reopened Putnam's excavations. Technology and research methods had progressed considerably by that point. When the team performed radiocarbon dating on pieces of discovered charcoal, they found an interesting mix of results. Some pieces dated from about 1070 A.D., more than a century after the Adena were known to exist. Other pieces dated much earlier, from the very beginning of the Adena period, and perhaps even earlier than that. It is believed that the Serpent Mound and its surrounding burial mounds are born of an amalgamation of various ancient peoples, some of which have likely never been identified. We do know that it's most likely that the surrounding burial mounds originate from an early Adena people, but due to rich information gathered through radiocarbon dating, we know that a later prehistoric culture, the Fort Ancient People, came to inhabit this site. Many believe that the Fort Ancient were the creators of the Serpent Mound itself, or that they perhaps chose to refurbish it for their own purposes. And who can say how many countless others not unlike ourselves, discovered and rediscovered the site again and again. It seems that wonders and adventure seekers alike have been flocking to the Serpent Mound for millennia. I had the great fortune of connecting with someone who deeply understands the draw this place has for so many. Beth Jenkins is the History Preservation Manager for the Serpent Mound State Memorial. She first came to the site as a young child on a school field trip, as have so many others. She recalls the wonder it generated for her and the enduring passion that led her to pursue a career in securing its preservation. Come, 
hear her story. I think the first time that I saw it was probably from the observation tower, looking down upon it. And I had a lot of emotions that went through my mind. I think the first thing I thought of was that um, it was it was scary. Um, it was big, and um, but yet it was it was. I was curious by it for the fact that you know here was this strange object that was literally sitting on top of the, the surface, covered in grass. Um, so it was it was amazing. I've I've never forgotten about it. You know, I, I said would go back every year, and uh, so it's just kind of been a part of my childhood growing up. I, I would say that makes sense because you know when we're kids, everything that's everything looks really big, and then we get older, and sometimes that changes. But I'm sure that your experience is similar for a lot of school age kids that do the field trips there, and it does really look like it's rising out of the earth. Or yeah, uh, yeah, very unlike. Yeah. Um, other other works of art or things that are more modern that you would see? I think as children, maybe as adults, I think that most people, at least I have found, um, you know, are kind of scared of snakes. And so, you know, we, we've, we all have that fear, you know, of getting or seeing a snake or getting bit by a snake. You know, we're, we're always, as children, we were always born, you know, just always watch where you walk and step. And, and so, I, you know, I think, I think snakes can be somewhat intimidating to people. So they're very fear-inducing. It's almost like instinctive, I think, for a lot of people to run away uh, from a snake. Um, so maybe, you know, even these uh, prehistoric Native uh, Americans had that same reverence for the animal. I mean, that's just a total guess on my right. part. Very possible. Very possible, indeed. For my listeners who've never been there, could you sort of set the scene of, you know, what it's like to be there now? Yes, I sure can. Um, so basically, we are located in the historic uh, and beautiful Adams County, Ohio. Uh, Adams County, um, basically, it borders right up to the Ohio River, so we are in southern Ohio. Um, mm-hmm. Serpent Mound, uh, which is it's actually called Serpent Mound State Memorial. It lies within the northern portion of Ohio's bluegrass region. And uh, so basically the area is it's sometimes called the Lexington Plain, and it's after, uh, of course, the, the famous city in Kentucky, Lexington, uh, which is also in the bluegrass region. Um, so, of course, it's divided, you know, by the Ohio River, um, soils, the plant life, and the animals that found in, you know, in this region, um, they're very similar to those that are in northern Kentucky and um, other parts of Ohio. You know, we, we have, uh, it's a beautiful park-like setting. It's, of course, nowadays, in the 21st century, it's, it's manicured. You know, we keep it mowed. Um, and we have a lot of beautiful trees that are up there. I know that there are things like um, red cedar thickets. Um, or barrens and like remnant prairie patches that exist there um, that, that sit more on the slopes of the northeast um, side of the effigy mound up there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very wooded. There's beech trees. Um, you know, just to kind of give, there's a lot of flora and fauna there. But as you come up off of State Route 73 and you're coming up the, the drive, first thing you will see on the right is the old superintendent's house. And back in the probably the 1930s, that was where the, the caretaker of the park, that's where he would have lived or she would have lived with their family. And as you come 
as you come up to the parking lot, you will see um, two very adorable uh, buildings that are built out of stone. And those have his- historical significance as well as every structure that is on that site. Those buildings were all built uh, during the 1930s, and they were part of the WPA or the three Cs. So uh, those were New Deal programs that were implemented by uh, President Roosevelt during the oh, Depression. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that. They, they see those little buildings, and they just, you know, they're cute, and they are very unique. Um, but what people don't realize is a lot of those buildings were made from material that had actually come from older, older structures. So, for example, the restrooms, the stone that they were built of had come from an old early 1800 church here in the state of Ohio. So, you know, those were kind of considered recyclable materials that um, was reused. So then as you as you park and you you know exit your vehicle, you start walking toward the museum center and the gift shop, uh, which again, that building is also, it used to be a concession stand, but it has been uh, turned into our gift shop and visitor center. And then you're basically, you're on your way. You're on your way to where the great serpent mound, the effigy lies. And um, everything's beautiful, lots of trees. It's, um, it's just a beautiful place to see, but um, well, of course, once you get to the observation tower, that's when you really take in this huge breath of just awe, and you realize that what you're looking at is something that is, um, there's nothing like it. It is, it, it takes your breath the first time you see it. It's that amazing, and it's very much a park-like setting. It's a very beautiful, peaceful place as well. There is a picnic shelter on the property that a lot of people still use to this day for gatherings and family reunions. Right. It is something, uh, when you see pictures of it online, you don't think this is in Ohio. I mean, it just seems so out of place. You know, a lot of our history, we think maybe goes back two or 300 years. And this is really something you can feel is more of an ancient quality to it. Um, It is. It is. And, you know, it's amazing because I think, um, I think a lot of people in Ohio are very aware that we do have a very rich American Indian history here where I'm located at, especially um, more and more. My home is in central, uh, a little bit of south central Ohio, um, not too far from the wonderful city of Chillicothe, Ohio. And of course, right now that's that's famous not only for its prehistoric American Indian sites, but for the outdoor drama Tecumseh which mm-hmm. I try to see that every year. It's one of my favorite things to do. But um, a lot of people, when they think of Ohio, and especially American Indians, they tend to think of the woodland Indian period. So you have the, the Shawnees and, and uh, the Mingos and things like that. So, But there's not been a lot of information about the prehistoric. So we're talking about the mound builders, a very um, a group of people that we absolutely do not know really much about, even through all the years of, of excavation, digs, um, testing, we just don't know a lot about them because they did not leave us a written history or record. So they are very intriguing. I mean, we obviously know that they were here and they lived here, but we just don't know a lot about them. Right. Um, and if I understand right from what I've been researching so far, there's maybe a couple theories about whether it was the Adena or the Fort Ancient. 
people? Yes, that's, that okay. is correct. That mm-hmm. is correct. Um, so, you know, one of the questions I get a lot of times is who built Circuit Mount and why? And um, from the research that was conducted by a professional archaeologists, um, we have concluded that it mo- most likely was built. Um, the effigy itself is probably going to say we're going to date that at Fort Ancient Culture. And now there are also three mounds on, on the property. Those mounds are considered to be burial mounds. They're conical-shaped mounds. So those, however, from what archaeologists have done excavations on those, have concluded they are probably older. Adena, and we're looking at Adena culture. So the Adenas, you know, would have been a culture that would have been before the Fort Ancients. The Fort Ancient would be considered the last. They would be the last prehistoric um, American Indian culture. So um, that's what we know. Now, can I say that's 100%? That's, that's, that's the story of Serpent Mound. Serpent yeah. Mound is a mystery. It is a complete mystery. I don't think, I don't know if we'll ever really know. So the Adena culture, we're looking at 800 B.C. to to 100 A.D. And uh, Fort Ancient culture, we're looking at at 1000 A.D. to 1550 or 1550 A.D. That's been a long, long time ago. And um, again, you know, we there there is no language that exists. Um, You know, at least we know the Cherokee, for example, the Cherokee had a, a written language. And, uh, but we just don't know. We, we just do not know anything about these cultures, but we do know one thing. They were here. They were here right. on, they were here in, in this, in the southern Ohio lands. Serpent Mound, you know, has many, many facets to the story. So, you know, that, uh, the famous, I guess you would call them amateur archaeologist team would be Squire and Davis, uh, was actually had, had first come up to the area around the 1840s. And and they just had to see it. And, and once that happened, it seemed to open up a lot of curiosity. In fact, uh, Dr. Frederick Ward Putnam, sometime in the the, uh, the 1880s, from he was he was a archaeologist from Harvard University, and so he he reads about this in the Squire and Davis book, um, and he decides to make a trip from the the east and. Uh, you know, he, he was just amazed by it. In fact, you know, Putnam is really responsible for what you see today at Serpent Mound. Um, he was concerned about the site. He was worried about the site. When, when he first sees, you know, the area, it was owned by a, a local Adams County farming family. And um, you know, they had lived with this thing. They they really didn't know what it was. They just, they lived with it. They would, would you know, plant their fields near it and, uh Putnam decided, he decided it was a treasure. It was something that needed to be protected, and uh, he returns back uh, to Massachusetts. He raises some $6,000 and is able to buy the, the farm, basically. And uh, then, you know, that day forward, it has been in the care and the protection of the Ohio History Connection, which is located in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, when, when he first saw it, it was very overgrown, um, a lot of vegetation, plants. Um, so, you know, it, it took some time to be able to care for it, nurture it, and bring it back. And so, um, we can thank we can thank Dr. Putnam for for his foresight to be able to to rescue it, basically. And 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 that's what that's what we are doing today. We are we are the stewards and the protectors of it, and to be able to keep it maintained for for prosperity. 
And that's the, the mission of the Ark of Appalachia? Yeah, so the Ark of Appalachia is a, uh, they, they actually manage the site. Um, the Ohio History Connection, which is a nonprofit organization, they own the property. They own everything that is there. And um, the Ark of Appalachia actually serves as a contracted manager for the site. So basically, the two work together to be able to, um, to maintain the park, to care for the park, to be able to um, offer programming for the public. So both both very, very good organizations that do a lot here for, for the state of Ohio. Um, you know, it's a mission, like you said, from Dr. Putman, um, that you both work in concert with each other to preserve this for so many um, generations, hopefully moving forward. Yeah, uh, it, it is an amazing place. It's, you know, a, a lot of people come there for different reasons. Uh, we have we have folks that come there for the beauty of the site, uh, for, for the respite. It, it's a very peaceful place. Um, I always love to ask our visitors, um, you know, what how, have you enjoyed your time here? You know, what will you take away from Serpent Mound? And a lot of people, especially we get a lot of visitors who come from not only this region, but we get visitors who come to us from all over the world. Mm. Uh, I have had the chance to meet uh, especially when we did, we were open in March. I had a chance to meet some amazing people who had come from European countries. And and you say, well, why? Why would someone from Russia come to Serpent Mound? And that is because Serpent Mound is in history books. It's, we know that's in history books in um, China and places like Germany and in England and just all over the world. We are we are not only a state historical site, but we are an attraction to the world. So we have so many visitors that come and visit us, and it's so great to get to talk to them and to get to find out from them what what did they take away from visiting Serpent Mound State Memorial. We have we have those who come up there for the history, for the beauty, and of course you have those who have a, um, you know, some people call it a religious experience. Some believe that um, Serpent Mound has healing abilities to it. Um, I think if we go back in time and we look at a character who was known as the Reverend Landon West, uh, he was the local minister there in the area, and he interpreted the effigy basically as representing the serpent of the biblical Garden of Eden. So if you look at the Bible and we go to the book of Genesis and it talks about, you know, creation, it talks about, you know, Adam and Eve and it talks about, um, you know, the Garden, the Garden of Eden. You know, a lot of people, again, I think we go back to what does, what does a snake or a serpent, what does it mean in kind? I have, uh, I have wonderful friends who, you know, are naturalists and they adore snakes. They look at them as amazing creatures that serve a purpose. And I know, you know, my, my dad's always telling me, you know, never kill a black snake because he's so beneficial. You know, don't hurt him and take care of them. And and these these creatures do. They do serve a purpose. And, and of course, we have, you know, venomous snakes. And but um, but, you know, with with the effigy mound, you know, from the way that it looks, it looks like it's, it's grasping in its jaws, this egg shaped fruit. And, and Reverend Landon, he took this. Now, to me, it looks like an oval, but he, he interpreted it as it, it was it had an egg-shaped fruit, and he felt it was from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is from the Bible as well. 
His theory was that he believed the mound, the effigy mound, was created by God um, or, you know, by the people who inspired God to mark the actual location of Eden and um, to remind people, basically, of our fall into sin. So, so you do, you have, you have individuals who come there for that reason. And it's, it is, it, you know, to some people, it's something that's frightening. And some people see it as a beautiful piece of art as well. We have people who, you know, who are, who practice kind of a new age mindset. Um, they believe that it coincides with like an astrological harmonic convergent, basically. So there, you know, it's, 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 it's all kind of things. You know, but I mean, I think that, you know, people, of course, they're going to take away from it what they want to. I think that's what makes it very special. Serpent Mound is, it is a memorial that recognizes our prehistoric American Indian cultures that, that are here no more. They, they don't exist anymore. And, um, but, you know, I, I think that a lot of people like to romanticize Serpent Mound. You know, it, it just, it depends on what, how what you take away from the site i think that's that's how people see it it does seem to be a sort of a blank canvas maybe um you know like you were describing with the reverend landon west and he maybe understands it through his worldview and his experience um right and other folks with different backgrounds would interpret it differently but i guess that's what great art does is it gives you an opportunity to get in touch with some of those forces that's right. You know, it, it's funny because, of course, with our interpretation there at the site, you know, we, we do talk about, you know, well, what was it built for? What are some theories? And, of course, I would say the strongest theory that we have is that it, it could have been built. It could have been created as a, a, form, a form of a calendar to be able to mark the different seasons. Um, you know, for example, June 20th, which is coming up very soon. We will be, you know, celebrating summer solstice, you know, all across, you know, the world, basically. And, um, you know, if, if it's a beautiful day and the sun is out, you know, sometime in the, in the late, um, late afternoon, early evening, and the sun is beginning to set, the sun will, on that day, it will set directly over the serpent's head. So, you know, it's possible. It's possible that is a theory as why it was built. It was built to be able to let those those cultures know, okay, we are basically, we're, we're halfway through our growing season. So now it's time to prepare for our harvest. And it's going to be time to prepare to to possibly to move, to be able to go south where the weather will be warmer. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but the prehistoric cultures, they were very intelligent, very highly intelligent people you know, we think of them as these prehistoric <clears throat> kind of like cavemen or something, but they watch the sky, and that's very key in this. We today, as as people of this 21st century, we do not watch our sky. We do not watch the stars like these people would have done. And, you know, they, they had to use every resource, you know, that they had to be able to su- survive. They relied on each other. They relied on the land. They relied on animals. You know, a lot of our, our tools that we have on display in the museum are simply things like rocks, you know, rocks and stones and shells. And and it, it's amazing to see if you take a set of deer antlers and attach them, you know, with some natural fibers such as um, uh, different different weeds, plant material, and attach that to a stick, you have a rake. You have a glorified rake that you can use that as a tool. 
So, um, so yeah, it's it's just amazing. It's an amazing place, you know, to to, to visit and to see and uh, just kind of you know to be able to come up and experience it. Again, these were very highly intelligent people, and it's just such a shame that there was no written language. I would have it would have, it would have locked unlocked so many answers for us if we would have had something like that. If only. I think that we we can never stop. We can never stop uh-huh. learning about about Serpent Mound. I think as those who are you know advocates for Serpent Mound, those who are caring for that, and that would you know include um, our our Ohio History Connection as well, and and um, different teams of researchers. It is still unexplainable to this day. You know, we no one can really can give a strong, definite answer as to what it is, why it is, you know, what was it used for. The site still has a lot of secrets to it. And um, I think the more that we're able to be able to, to research, it will keep unlocking its mysteries. Mysteries, indeed. If only we knew the answer. I'd love nothing more than to be able to provide you with a tidy, satisfying explanation of how this magnificent structure came to be. Whatever the motives of the original builders, the Serpent Mound has come to mean many different things to many people. Perhaps it's a tribute to the stealthy power of the snake, silent and insidious, swallowing defenseless prey in one gulp. Or perhaps it's an earthly explanation of a solar eclipse, a befuddling event during which the very sun was swallowed up by an unseen force. Whatever its original purpose, it has drawn visitors for centuries, and one yearly event is particularly popular. As Beth mentioned, the geographic positioning of the site is laid according to astronomical events. Each year, at the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, the setting sun will fall directly at the head of the serpent. This event is celebrated at Serpent Mound with live music, engaging lectures, and a solstice feast. The celebration's finale is the setting sun, lowering in the blazing sky, exactly where the serpent tells it. And at the opposite end of the year, our shortest day, the winter solstice, The serpent's coiled tail directs our attention to exactly where the sun will rise. It's a sign that winter is halfway through, and soon planting season will be upon us. Yet this structure has even greater astronomical complexity. The undulating curves of its midsection correlate with lunar phases. In addition, consider that Halley's Comet appeared in the year 1066 only a few years before carbon dating identified the Serpent's Mound creation in 1070. This event would have dazzled and frightened anyone looking up into the night sky. There's reason to assume ancient humans were trying desperately to understand the mysterious heavenly objects above their heads. And the unusual aspects of the story don't end there. The site itself is located at the edge of an ancient crater likely caused when an asteroid collided with the Earth's surface nearly 300 million years ago. In 2003, geologists from The Ohio State University confirmed that they had uncovered data that reveals that the Serpent Mound sits on the edge of the four-mile crater. 
While erosion has erased visible traces of the crater itself, examination of sedimentary rock from the site confirms its remarkable history from long before humans ever existed. A museum housing archaeological artifacts and historical accounts of this remarkable site has existed there since 1967. The museum features exhibits on the effigy's form and a description of the processes of constructing the mound. A pathway winds around the base of the mound for easy access around the site. An elevated observation platform allows visitors a full view of the structure from above. So I hope someday you have the chance to experience the Serpent Mound for yourself. Once you do, you can count yourself among countless other humans who have stood in awe of it. Some were 19th century scientists, desperate to preserve it. Some were early surveyors, exploring the wilderness of the Ohio Territory. Some were Native Americans, who likely discovered the structure long before white settlers laid eyes on it. And some were people who existed in the days before history was even recorded. They were of an enigmatic tribe that lived off the land and wondered at the stars. Perhaps they revered an animal with no legs that could move with the speed of a rushing stream. Perhaps they marveled at its stealth. Perhaps they sought to understand the world around them more fully and they thought an earthen mound visible from the heavens might just communicate what they had yearned to know. We'll never know for sure what the builders of the Serpent Mound meant when they constructed it. But there is one thing of which we can be sure. This world is full of wondrous and unexplainable things. Standing in awe of them and trying to figure them out is part of what makes us human. It's what connects us to humans from eras gone by. Maybe someday, those who come after us will marvel at the remnants of our own monuments. And the mysteries remain. This concludes today's episode on the legend of the Serpent Mound. I hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find the show. You can also find Ohio Folklore at ohiofolklore.com and on Facebook. And as always, keep wondering. <laughs>